Okay, Pastor Vijay, we can go to the... Yeah, the first question first is... Question. We'll start with question number four, uh, Pastor. Yeah. Uh, it says uh, in First Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12, that you should you also aspire to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, and to work with your own hands, as we have as we have commanded you, that you may walk properly toward those who are outside, that you may lack nothing. Mind your own business. Can you explain this? It's like it's like normally. Okay. I mean. We start hearing it right from childhood, right? Mind your own business. <laughs> but it's cute that uh, somebody asked this question and was convicted <laughs> whether I'm minding my own business or not. But let's be very clear about it. Like, because it's a very common refrain, we should also be careful because this is scripture. Mm. And uh, if you look at the context, it's saying, Aspire to lead a quiet life. Mind your own business, to work with your own hands as we are commanded, that you may walk properly. Meaning mm. that's a testimony to those who are outside. outside. Yes. So we, we look at that one term, mind your own business. But also remember, we have to balance between minding our own business and also being our brother's keeper. Yes. Some people mind only their business and they are not interested in anything else and they break the, the law. second commandment yeah, the law, yes. of mm-hmm. the Lord or the only commandment in mm-hmm. the new covenant, love your brother as yourself. So there has to be a balance as to what scripture is talking about. Mm-hmm. Let's look at another place in the Bible where Paul is, we are looking at it in the terms of doctrine. Okay. Now it is specifically written to younger widows. But the principle applies, okay, even though it is at that portion of the epistle, it is um, written to a particular group of people. That doesn't mean the principle does not apply. Like when in First Peter 3 it talks about women, uh, it, the meek and a quiet spirit which is beautiful in the eyes of the Lord. So you need to realize it's not just talking to women, though specifically it is talking to women there. Uh, what is beautiful in the eyes of the Lord is beautiful in everybody's life. God yes. loves it, whether it's a man, woman, or a child. Mm. Turn with me to First Timothy chapter 4. Yes. Mm. This is talking up in the context of marriage and other things. Chapter 4, and I would like NIV because sometimes the language is much more simpler for people to understand. Verse 11 onwards. Okay. To 15. Command and teach these things. Could you just move this chair a little? Command and teach these things. Uh, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. But, uh, yeah. Are we there? Oh, sorry. Chapter 5. Chapter 4. Chapter 5. Chapter 5. Okay. This is to Timothy, but this is to younger widows. As for younger widows, okay, please understand the context in which it's telling so, but also understand it's a general principle because we are talking about the days of the old. In the days of the old, what is happening is there are constant wars and constant rebellions and constant conscription. So men died. Mm. So the ancient world was full of widows. 
That's why in the church when it begins, you will see the issues between Greek widows and Grecian widows. And they say, why are there so many widows in the church? Because when spring comes, kings go to war. That's what the thing in all ancient nations. Men were conscripted. Every little lord had to bring these many soldiers to the king. That's how it was. So men had to go to war, whether they liked it or not. Conscription was compulsory. Every young person had to give himself to the king to go for war. And wars and rebellions were very common. And what happened was the men died. And the world was full of widows. Full of widows. So there is this issue with older widows about taking care of them. And younger widows, what to do with them. So the Bible puts a principle. But basically it's a principle here. Of course it's talking about widows. Do not put them on such a list. Okay? For when their sensual desires overcome their dedication to Christ, they want to marry. Thus they bring judgment on themselves because they have broken their first pledge. Okay, now. Besides, they get into the habit of being idle and going about from house to house. Not only do they become, become idlers, they also, but also gossips and busybodies, saying things they ought not to. Mm. So I counsel younger widows to marry, to have children, to manage their homes, to give the enemy no opportunity for slander. Some have in fact already turned away to follow Satan. So if you put these mm. two things together, you understand the principle. Simple language, keep yourself busy. Keep yourself busy because like we say in English, the idle mind is a devil's workshop. Okay? Keep yourself busy, take care of your homes, take care of your children, manage your home. That's your first priority as a woman. Your first priority is to manage your home, manage your children, keep yourself busy. And then when you are dealing with somebody else, please remember, you go as a brother's keeper, not a brother's accuser. Always be very, very careful how you handle the lives of others and God gives uh, this uh, golden rule, whatever measure, mm-hmm. right? It's yes. in Matthew yes. 5 or 6. Mm-hmm. Yes, with the measure that you measured. Yeah. The same to measure together. 7, 1 and 2. Mm-hmm. 7, 1 and 2. Matthew 7, 1 and 2. Yeah. Do not judge or you too will be judged. Now God is not saying don't make judgments because we have to make judgments. But he's saying, be very careful, Harvey, because for in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. With the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. Mm. Okay? So, God is telling us all these principles, like, you know, when you're talking about minding your business, you cannot be self-centered. That's against the law of the new covenant, because the first thing you are asked is to deny yourself. If you deny yourself, you cannot be self-centered. You have to be other-centered. But when you are other-centered, be careful that you are not a busybody. You are not a troublemaker. You are not a gossip. You are not a slanderer. You are actually somebody who is a helper. Hmm. You are actually truly concerned about other people. And And you, you, you actually have a burden. See, like I said, if you deal with burdens in the secret place, it's very easy to deal with burdens in the open place. People hear something and they never take it to God in the first place. They're never broken over somebody's situation. 
never usually you know and they will take the phone and try to make it into more like a spiritual thing but they never pray about it they just want to pass the news around okay that's a busy body that is somebody who's not minding their own business god says if you do that what you sow you will reap it will come back to you hmm. it will come back to you okay but we cannot live in isolation we cannot live in isolation the church if you look in act chapter 2 we don't have to go there you will see the church was an absolutely vibrant body where they lived a life where they were all connected to each other that's why i like primarily i like small churches with a membership between 100 to 200 maximum so that you can be a, a family when it goes beyond that we can have everything else except being a very vibrant family very vibrant family but that vibrant family you see you cannot have one rule okay i will not be a busy body i will mind my own business yet you cannot have a vibrant fellowship you have to learn how to balance this both mm. balance this both like if you go to acts chapter 2 and verse 42 onwards 242 onwards they devote this is the first set of people 3000 people of course understand <clears throat> these are people who have come from a, entirely come from a jewish heritage okay so they have what you call the the culture of, of the old covenant of yes, the law yes. so they have in them take they have taken mm, mm. by the time you come to acts chapter 6 you don't have to go there right now but there the grecian widows have come in. So you have the gentile believers coming in whose culture is completely different. So don't run into Acts chapter 2 and say immediately that should happen in my church. Please remember it happened among them because they came from a very cohesive culture. Everybody's thinking is been shaped by the same culture, same word, same god, same ritual, same practices, same festivals. It is the same thing. Okay? Then when the gentiles come in you will realize even the apostles like Peter struggling James struggling and also please understand the context in each because it takes time for people to grow and to accept new people and to show the kind of kindness and forgiveness and mercy extend that's why mercy and forgiveness is the the biggest thing in the kingdom of god because we are all who we are because of the mercy of god so you will see the first thing is they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching mm. now if you ask what is the apostles teaching you know so what is the apostle jesus was teaching the apostles are teaching everybody seems to be teaching but what are they teaching they basically teaching the kingdom of god how to live as a family under god that is their teaching yeah this is who god is this is what his children should be that they are not teaching anything else they're not teaching hidden secrets and mysteries mm-hmm. like hidden secret of satan and all they're not teaching they're simply teaching now god is your father this is what your father is like he's holy he's righteous he's forgiving he's loving he's kind all these things they're teaching about him now just become like him and you have the power within you the mm-hmm. person of god has come within you who will help you as you lean on him but you need teaching because without the teaching the spirit of god cannot function yeah. because he needs the word mm. without the word on what will the spirit of god function yes. right you have electricity coming into the house but there are no bulbs no tube lights no fans what will it function on mm. it function on you can switch all the switches on but nothing is coming on because there is nothing for it to work on 
So that's not how it works. So we need to realize we need the teaching and that's what. So they had teaching and then of course the next thing is what we call fellowship. The proof of the pudding is in the eating. <clears throat> Whether you have learned something or not is always reflected in the fellowship, the kind of fellowship you have. Fellowship you have. Okay? It's very simple. It's seen in the fellowship you have. What is the kind of... Have you become a family? Have you actually become a family? That is the whole thing. And then families will always have issues. Okay? Issues uh, even in the most close-knit home. Not a church, a home. Siblings, quarrels, fightings, husband and wife will have it. In misunderstand, all these things are there. That is why the third thing is put over there. Please remember, what is the breaking of bread? First, it is connected with the death of Jesus Christ. That is the basis on which we judge. Yes. He, in James, will t- tells very clearly with the breaking of bread. James three, no, not three, two. Let me give it to you. James chapter two. And words 12 and 13. Okay? Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful for mercy triumphs over judgment. So Mm -hmm. when you are talking about the Lord's table, the first thing you need to realize is, what is the Lord's table? It is the judgment of God of my sin on his son. On Jesus, yes. Mm -hmm. On son. Mm -hmm. Okay, so it's entirely based on the principle of God's mercy. So, in fellowship, there will be lots of issues in a home between a husband and a wife, with parents and children, children and parents, and the people who work in the house. All kind of things can happen, but when you're making judgments, the rock on which it is based is mercy. Mm. Mercy. So you have doctrine, you have fellowship, you have mercy, Judgment, mercy, mercy triumphs over judgment. Mm. Always mercy triumphs over judgment. I mean, otherwise it's not possible to have a relationship. A lot of people don't have a relationship because mercy is not triumphing. Judgment is triumphing. Husbands don't talk to their wives. They carry things in their heart for years and years. Wives carry things in their heart. Children carry for years. You know why? Because this law is not working. Mm. Judgment is triumphing over mercy. Yeah. And that's why whenever they have a fight, they will go right back and say, I remember what you said. That means you're still holding it. You're still using that as a yardstick to make judgment. It's not mercy. It's judgment. But God says, if that is that, please remember, that is the same law that will work in you. Hmm. Because every time mercy should triumph over judgment. So that is there. And then fourth thing, of course, is prayers. And prayers is basically connected with asking, receiving, intercession knowing the will of God. So that is put there. You have one, two, three, four. And the next thing that happens in verse 43 is that first thing that happens is Acts 2, 43. Acts 2, 43. The Bible says great fear. Okay? Acts 2, 43. Everyone was filled with awe. Okay? KJV will, NKJ will use the term fear. That is his reverence for God. Okay? Fear came upon every soul. So you need to realize, this is the result of these four things. What is happening is, God's Spirit is able to bring the reverence, the fearful reverence of God in that house. Hmm. 
the house. Oh, okay. And what has happened? Many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. We can take that off because this is an apostolic age and it doesn't have to become a norm. Okay, now this is not happening, therefore we are wrong in all the five. No. You don't need wonders all the time. You can just, by, by the time faith happens and you grow in faith, your life should be what you call supernatural. You should be normally experiencing as a result because a faith life is a supernatural mm-hmm. life. It's yeah. not a natural life. Yeah. Okay. And then verse 44 says, now all who believed were together and had all things in common. It's a family. Okay. And this is what we are talking about. Though we have homes in a church and uh, there are boundaries, yet there is a common life which we live. And that is where the busybody comes and creates trouble. The idle one comes and brings trouble. Because what happens is they break primarily the law of love. Break that law. And that's what it's talking about. Mind your own business. If you are not your brother's keeper, then mind your own business. Mind your own business. So we have to learn to balance this both because, you know, Let us use use that illustration in the Old Covenant when Jacob's sons, the elder brothers of Joseph, were doing whatever junk they were doing out there in the in the old, and Joseph minded his own business. Who did they have been right? Because now it's not connected to what they are doing. It's what they are doing is affecting their father's name. But he decides no. See, a lot of people put away law one for the sake of law two. Mm. Mm. Law two. Mm. But law two cannot stand on its own without law one. <laughs> yeah. The entire uh, law one mm. is, uh, two is hanging on one. Mm. But today's world doesn't want one. They only want two. You see, if you love your brother as yourself, and if you don't love God with all your heart, all your mind, all your things, law number two can be whatever you want. Exactly. Mm. Whatever you want. But two is framed by one. I love God with all my heart, all your mind, all my strength, and this is who he is. Therefore, I have to love what he loves. I have to hate what he hates. And therefore, when I see it in my brother, the first thing is not that I judge. First thing is mercy. Let us say, I see he's struggling with a tendency. Let us say you know, the biggest thing, LGBTQ is the big or transgender. All these things have come in over there. And I see he's struggling with that. Struggling with that. The first thing is that I look, look at it and I know God hates it. But the second thing I need to understand is that God hates the sinner. Yeah. But he loves, he hates sin. But he died for the sinner. Mm. And I have to make a very clear distinction about it. See, the sinner and the wicked man are two different things. All wicked men are sinners. Mm. All sinners are not wicked wicked people. Mm. We have to make a difference and not tar everybody with the same brush. You have to be very careful about it. Okay, The wicked men and women actually sit in the parliaments and make these laws that sanction sin. Okay, sanction, and they legalize sin. The sinner on the street cannot legalize sin. 
that he does not have the authority. The authority is given to people there in the parliaments, in the Congress, in the Senate, in the universities, hmm. who frame these ideas which give credence to their act. Okay? So we are. But when you are looking at them, you are looking at them first with mercy. You are looking first with mercy, not with judgment. You, you made it, it's wrong. That already you know, because God said it is wrong. But when you look at them, first thing is mercy. If you don't have mercy, then mind your own business. Don't be an activist. Christendom does not have activists. Christendom has people who lay down their lives. They are not activists. Social activists are all in the world. That is why you have BLM and Antifa and Green Movement and they will not accept any opposition. They will kill you. They will burn you. They will burn your house because they are all activists. And there are a lot of Christian activists. Christian activists are only judgmental because they don't understand mercy. We don't have activists in Christendom. Hmm. We don't condone wrong. We don't, but expose violence either. Violence either. This is a fundamental principle in the kingdom of God. It's hmm. a fundamental principle in the kingdom of God. That's where we have to. Then, if that is your attitude, the simple thing is, mind your own business. Until God can change your heart. That's where everything begins is in the secret place. It doesn't begin in the public place. Yep. You hear something or you see something and you are upset about it. Don't take it to man. Take it to God. Take it to God. Cry out before God. Like we saw yesterday in, at the Elam thing, right? The people were complaining and grumbling about Moses. What did Moses do? He cried, he out. cried out to God. And God gave him a solution. God said it's a solution. See, God is a very merciful God. After all these judgments and miracles and the parting of the Red Sea and all, He knows what we are. What is man like grass, like the flower, gone here, faded tomorrow. He knows what we are. He said they are thirsty. Three days, the children are crying, the babies are crying, the mothers are crying, the fathers are troubled. He looks at them and he says, you know what? Okay, he's just showing. Basically, he's telling us, you can't do anything without me. You need me. I want you to make it very clear. You need me. And you also need to realize that if my hand is taken over you by one minute, this is what you will react. This is your, your old nature will react. I'm trying to prove you. And this is the solution is always go to the cross. Hmm. Cross. The so cross is the solution. We don't understand what the cross is. The cross is the death of self. The death of self. The cross is the solution. And as soon as the cross is put over there, waters change. Okay? It becomes sweet. They drink and a little seven miles down. That's what they say from Mara to Elam is only seven miles. How many, how much time do you take to walk seven miles? A large crowd, a couple of hours. There were springs. Mm. There was palm tree, everything. So if you have gone and cried out to God, you have a problem, somebody has a problem, somebody is doing something or somebody said something about you, whatever it is, first if you go to God and cry out about you, to God, hmm. there is always a solution. Then what happens is you become your brother's keeper. Amen. You Amen. become your brother's Amen. keeper. Because we cannot uh, isolate these two. Okay, mind your own business. One, two, you are also your brother's keeper. And Third principle is this. This is connected with judgment. Okay? Don't judge where you have not been given authority. 
you have not been authority. Okay? Because judgment and authority are are go together. Where you don't have authority, why judge? What is your what is your judgment going to make any difference? Okay, a court passes and judgment guilty, and we sit here and say not guilty. It's not going to change anything. <laughs> you have to appeal to a higher court. Yes, higher court. Okay, the only thing you can do is that you know what. That judgment has taken place, but I refuse to be accept that. That's your call. That's fine. Okay? That is where you need to understand. A lot of busybodies are there who just simply, because also understand, if you're troubled about something, the Bible says the best thing to do is to go deal it one-on-one. But even when you are dealing with one-on-one, be very careful you're going with an open mind. Some people say, I'm going with an one. I have had many cases like that, one-on-one. But I realized it never came with an open they mind. Already They've up, already judged up. and hung the person also. Wow. So they haven't come with an open mind. They're just coming there to see, to receive from the other person, that is a pastor or anybody, the same word. I have already passed the verdict. I want you to pass the same verdict. So that's not an open mind. They become judge, jury, and execution. So that one-on-one doesn't work. The one-on-one is simply this: that I always want to give the other person a the benefit of the doubt, and I am troubled by this, and I want, I want to clear my mind about it. And therefore, you come, and then when you talk, and the other person says, "No." You only say, saw a part of it. Now, first thing a person may say, it doesn't concern you at all. Why do you want to trouble your mind about it? Just leave it alone. It doesn't bother you. You're already handling it. You stay out of it. Don't bother. Bother. And if you're wise, you will take that counsel because you realize it's got nothing to do with me. Yep. But if it's something got to do with you, then we'll see you only saw this picture. You didn't see that other side of the picture. You see, when Jesus' first words on the cross, he's not, Father, forgive them alone. He says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Mm. He's able to see. He's able to see. He's giving the whole of humanity over there a benefit of doubt, Mm. starting with the Roman soldiers who nailed him, to the Roman authorities like Pilate who washed his hands to ease his conscience and gave him over, to the priests and Herod and all who came to their did a kangaroo court, a fair unfair trial, to the crowds who said release Barabbas, to his disciples who ran away, to everybody. You need to realize now a verdict has been passed over Rahul Gandhi disqualifying him from the parliament, and there are protests everywhere happening. The Congress party men are protesting. You need to realize neither his family nor his disciples, nobody raised one little finger of protest. To remain silent in the sight of evil. Yes, acceding to evil. Acceding to evil. Nobody raised one finger of protest. He said, Father, forgive them all because they don't know what they're doing. And he's the only man Ever in human history, he was absolutely, totally innocent of any crime. 
everybody else sinned and fallen short of. And yet, so we need to understand what is he giving them when he says, for they do not know what they are doing. He's giving them the benefit of doubt. He's extending mercy. While he could have extended judgment because he was absolutely right and everybody there is wrong. Everybody there is wrong. So we need to understand what it means, mind your business <laughs> and learn how to handle it. Balance. You cannot be isolated. Because mm. if you are isolated, you on the day of judgment, it will be terrible for you. Because he said, terrible, not that your salvation, he said, but you are never your brother's keeper. You are never your brother's keeper. We cannot be isolated because the body is, I mean, imagine one part of my body decides I'm going to be isolated from the rest of the body. What will happen? That's why God uses these different illustrations. He uses farm, he uses building, he uses body, he uses all kinds. And the most, most powerful illustration is the church is a body. The church is a body. And how can one part, and he uses that illustration because he says, when I tell you that, you will understand. Because even if the tiniest part of your body, one nail goes out of place, the whole body knows it. And immediately starts calibrating to see that that part has to be protected. And he says, you have to be, because all of you are washed by the same blood, and all of you have been given the same spirit mm. that makes you one body. But it is found in the prayer closet. It's not found anywhere else. It's the hearing of the word and the commune of the Holy Spirit. And in your Holy Spirit. See, this is the greatest, one of the greatest of the qualities in the kingdom of God. <coughs> Let me put it across very clearly. Is brokenness. Doesn't that mean that if you go through whole kind of terrible situations you in your life, you are broken. But if you are not broken, I'm telling you very carefully, you can't be really used by God. You cannot be. That's the thing he does with that bread. He takes it in his hands and he breaks it. And then he gives and it fills and satisfies. And that is what God is trying to do. He's trying to, He's not trying to break us the way the world, but only broken people can be really used by God. Only they will know, understand what mercy is. They will understand what compassion is. That they will understand what kindness is. And that's what God is trying to do with us. So whenever things are happening in your life, because Jesus makes it very clear, I think it's in Luke 21 or something, he says, there are only two choices. Either the rock will break you, or you can fall upon the rock and be broken. There are only two choices at the end of the day. Am I falling on it? Am I broken? I'll be crushed. Or you'll be crushed. Mm. Okay. You'll be crushed. Okay. And these are all the, these are all the, these are all the illustrations you see happening or episodes happening even in Jesus' life. You have the story of two different women or the same women. We do not have the story of the alabaster oil. The woman who washes his feet with her tears and wipes with her glory, which is her hair. And you have another man, he is also there. This woman is also over there. What is the difference? Why does God pick up these illustrations? Because these are people who are broken. And God says this testimony will be there all the time till the end comes. This testimony will come because you know what? This woman who is broken, hmm. who is the Holy Spirit is able to commune with her. While the disciples who have left everything, mm. 
sacrifice. This is what the Bible talks about in First Corinthians uh, chapter 13, remember? They have left everything by faith, but they are not broken people. Mm. Well, this woman is broken. If you want to talk about Mary at Bethany, she is broken. She is a broken woman. And therefore, the Holy Spirit is able to tell one of the most important details somebody should do before the death of his son. Nobody is able to hear. Mm. Nobody is able to hear. That's what the Bible talks about. You can have faith that moves mountains and all that. But if you are not a broken vessel, mm. if you are not a broken vessel, ultimately you are nothing. And at that point, you will realize she is the one. The Holy Spirit is using. She is the one who sees where Jesus is buried. She is the one who is the first one to be there early in the morning. Okay? And she is the first one to receive a revelation. And if you ask, how does she qualify for all this? The answer is, she's a broken woman. She's a broken woman. Now understand these principles because these are things mm. that will, like, you have to ask yourself, if you don't look in, in the light of eternity, if you lo don't look things in the light of eternity, we will not understand the value of the experiences we are having and what it should do to us. If you're going to live in the temporal, if you're going to live in the temporal, then you're going to make your decisions based on the temporal. But if you understand what Corinthians 4.18, 2 Corinthians 4.18 says, the things that we see are temporal. And the things that we do not see are, are eternal. eternal. Okay, but things which we are not seen are okay. So we do not see. So we have to look at it. So we cannot say, "Mind your own business," and say, "Why are you not active in the church?" Because I'm minding my own business. And you can <laughs> quote scripture, <laughs> but that is misquoting scripture. But when you are actively involved in the in the church, and you should be actively involved in the church, please remember. I'm a brother's, my sister's keeper. I'm not a gossip, I'm not a slanderer. I am not, I care for my brother, my sister. Your problem is my problem. And I'm here as much as I can possible within what God has given me. Mm -hmm. My time, my energy, my resources after I have taken care of my home. If you're a woman, okay, I'm there to help you. You're a brother's keeper. And that is how the kingdom of God, and that is what the book of Acts says, they held everything, there was a balance. It's not communism, this is not capitalism. If you look at uh, Acts yeah. chapter 2, verse 44, what has happened? 44? 44, yeah, yeah. 44 and 45, there's a balance. Now, all who believed were together and had all things in common. How did it become? What did they do? They sold their possessions and goods and divided among all as anyone had need. It's not that everybody lived under one roof. No, they all lived in their own houses. But suddenly, because they're living as a community, one understood, oh, this poor thing is part of my family and she doesn't have. Okay, and he says, but I have. I have. Now, what Jesus taught is now being, he's becoming alive. He said, if any man has two coats, yeah. if any man has suddenly realized, okay, I have all these plots of land. I don't need this. <laughs> I already have a plot of land on which my hut or house is there. What, what am I keeping that for? Okay. So what did he do? He sold it and brought it and gave it to the apostle. So, you know, suddenly you realize this is what it is. Okay. This is faith. This is not faith. 
There is no fear in them. Yeah. But they should be the most fearful people. Yes. Because they have no salary, they have no pension, they have no insurance, they have nothing, no state support, no rations, nothing. These are simple people. But you know what? Faith takes that away. Mm. Faith takes that away. And that is how they had common. They, they were, as anyone had need, what does it mean? They suddenly realize there is need. But they realize, and I'm not going to make that decision. We are not going to make this decision because it's very difficult for us to make this. Uh, let us leave it to the leadership. Hmm. So the Bible will say they brought it and put it at the apostles' feet. Like yeah, the apostles also realized later when trouble started, they said, you know what, let us pick uh, seven people full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom to handle these issues. So, so they are not busy bodies. They are busy. They are bodies hmm. that are very busy, busy taking hmm. care of one <laughs> another in the kingdom. They are not busy bodies, but they are bodies who are very busy taking care of each other. Otherwise, what will happen is selfishness will come and eat the church away like cancer. My, 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 my. my. And that's, that's a cancer. That's a, that's the first thing Jesus is saying. If any man wants to follow me, this is the first thing. You have to deny yourself and to pick up your cross, willing to sacrifice. Cross is willing to sacrifice. Willing to sacrifice. And then he says, follow me. And this is what's happening in the church. Mm-hmm. You're looking, they're putting it into practice. They're denying themselves, willing to sacrifice, and they're following the life that he has shown. And the church is a very vibrant place. And then others are from outside looking in. They said, wow. Now these are Jews looking into a sect they call a cult. Wow. They're calling them a cult because these are Jews mm. who have left for a cult. But they're looking at it and they cannot question that life. They cannot question that life. How do you question a life? You can question doctrine. You can question ideas. You can question, but you cannot question a life like this. They said, what, a li- what a kind of life is this? Mm. Okay. And that's what, the, and into that life, two people come, who were part of it, tried to bring an aberration, whose names were Ananias and Sapphira, into that life, and God stopped it right there. He said, you know what, now this church is so beautiful, living my life, you are trying to bring something over there. You don't have to do it. That's what Peter says, when you had the land, it was yours. When you sold it, it was yours. You didn't have to do it. You didn't have to do it. Because in the invisible, nobody would have known unless the Holy Spirit had intervened. In the invisible, you're breaking something here. You're breaking the law of the life of Christ. You cannot do it here. Your motives are not pure. Mm. Your mo- you, what you're doing has got nothing to do with God or your brother. It has got to do with you. And therefore, the Spirit of God stopped it. Immediately. So please understand that's how it works. We are bodies who are very busy. We are not idle people from early in the morning till late in the night. We are busy people. But we are not busy bodies. Mm. We are our brother's keepers. Our brother's keepers. Okay? And we are people who are merciful people because we have allowed the situations in our lives to break us and not become hard like Mara. Like Naomi became a hard woman. She knew her, her head. She's got doctrine. Yeah. But she's a very hard woman. 
Ruth does not have much doctrine, but she's a broken woman. She's a Moabite who does not have doctrine, but she's a broken woman. So there are two people over there, two widows, both are widows, both have gone through their junk. One is a hard, bitter woman with right doctrine, and the other one is a broken woman with no doctrine. And God will use this one to teach this one, but will use her and redeem her. Because she has to learn. So that's why Jesus said, learn from the Pharisees. Mm. Don't be like them. Sit on the seat of Moses. They will teach well. But when it comes to life, never become like them. (laughs) So they are the Naomi's of Jesus' time. (laughs) Don't be like them. Because they are very good teachers, but they are not broken. They are not broken. Not that they couldn't be broken, because they are living under the Roman age. For thousands of years or hundreds of years, the temple has been destroyed. They have been fugitives. The Romans have crushed them under their iron, literally iron boots. They could have been broken. But they didn't, they were not broken. They were not broken. Hmm. So we need to realize, you see, when Jesus is talking about brokenness, Unlike the world, okay, brokenness. Put three objects over there. One is an egg, okay. One is, let us say, a plastic egg. Another is a metallic egg. This metallic egg, whatever you do, you can't do anything. Plastic also, you know, kids get candy in those eggs, you know, you try to break it, it's not easily broken, but some much stronger person maybe. The other egg, anybody crushes it, it will break. Okay? So the whole idea is, you can choose to be tender, so that even the smallest thing can break you. That's That's how David began. He just cut an edge of Saul's destiny. And he was conscience was so tender, he was broken over it. Later, when he sends Uriah's death sentence and hears his daddy says these things happen. How did this man become like that? How did he become like that? <laughs> Egg carrot and coffee, yes, the old one, okay. <laughs> Egg carrot and coffee. Okay, the old illustration of a cat. Okay. So you need to ask yourself, how did David become like that? And that's the same thing. Any one of us can begin like that and not that he ended like that, he changed around and became. But anybody can become like that. Start as merciful, tender and become hard. Or begin as hard and look at the cross and choose to become tender. Choose to become tender. Okay, so we can, this is, this is not a physical object. This is talking about the state of our heart. We can choose. Choose. And that's why it's always written when Jesus looked at them. He had compassion. compassion. So the simple question is, when you hear about somebody, you hear about what is that you feel? Because I was a pastor. Every, like today, I had a letter. I mean, it's none of my business. I never talk about it to anybody. I had a letter. And the first thing when I heard that, okay, somebody went. So your heart breaks when you say, look at that. Okay. Everything that person wrote, you have to see from the lens from where it is coming. Okay. Everything she wrote was actually wrong. But it is only wrong because she did not have the information. 
But the fact of the matter is it's coming from a broken heart. It's coming from a broken heart. So all that you wrote is actually factually wrong. But it is irrelevant. That fact that everything you wrote is factually wrong is irrelevant. The fact is it's coming from a broken heart. So I'm not going to see. I'm just the fact is that I'm going to I'm going to deal with that broken heart now. I want to deal with that. That's my thing: is to deal with a broken heart, and you know, and say, how dare you say all these things? Oh, no, you judge me wrongly, and all those. Those things are irrelevant. Okay, these are the facts, but the fact is, those things don't matter. What matters is what you're going through and what is the situation. Let's have a solution. You know, usually, what happens is, whenever comes, people are all become very defensive. We don't have to be defensive. Oh, and this is something which God will put us through. The thing is that if you are not broken, God cannot open your eyes to see. I always tell the turning point in Joseph's life is when there were two prisoners who came into the prison and they were from the palace and they both had dreams and both were troubled. And Joseph looked at them and said, you are troubled. What happened? what happened? The simple question is, unless you are broken, you will never see other people's troubles. You only see your troubles. Exactly. If he was not a broken man, he would not have seen it. And that time would have passed. Because that is going to exalt him two years. Two years. He's got two years. He's going to reach the top. That's God's timing. But if that has to happen, something has to happen now. You need to be a man who sees the plight and the problems of others. Yes, you are the innocent man here. You have been falsely accused. You have been sold by your brothers, thrown into prison. That's irrelevant. That's irrelevant. The irrelevant is do you believe that God has put you here on purpose, that you are your brother's keeper. And if he hadn't seen that, he still would have to lie in prison for many more years until he is ready to take that position. So we are all aspiring one day to reign with Christ mm. in the sense not sitting on a long throne. No, God will one give day. us forever and, and ever, ever, and ever. commitments and authority and so many things to do. And we have this fantastic body that doesn't <laughs> tire, doesn't want to, doesn't need sleep, full of energy. <laughs> Can you imagine entering into heaven with a fantastic body and nothing to do? <laughs> Lord, I got this body, I'm waiting, what should I do? God said nothing. Nothing? Why? Because you are not merciful on earth. This is given to people who are merciful. Oh Lord, so have a nice resurrected body and do nothing. That's... <laughs> That's what the Bible says. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Okay. You go to James chapter 2. That two verses are very important. What is he talking about? He's talking about on that day. Not just here. On that day. So you, you only have James chapter 2, 12 and 13 now. 11 and 12. Okay. He's talking about that day. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. That is the law that is going to give you freedom. He's going to judge us all are standing before Jesus, be my seat. And how is he going to judge? What is the first yardstick? Are you merciful? Hmm. Judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful because mercy triumphs over 
judgment. Get these pictures. Pastor, actually the same thought that you're talking about, mm-hmm. uh, the judgment, mercy being shown on, on that day, it's found in Second Timothy chapter 1, verses 15 onwards. It's far, far yeah. Again, you can see this. Maybe yeah. you can just comment on that. One. Second Timothy Pastor. chapter 1, verses 15 onwards. Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 15 onwards. This you know that all those in Asia have turned away from me. Among them are figulous and homogeneous. <laughs> the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. But when he arrived in Rome, he sought me out very zealously and found me. The Lord grant to him that he may find mercy from the Lord in that day. In that day, and you may know very well how many ways he ministered to me at Ephesus. Okay, but this this is true in that context. But let me ask you this question: You may do it for an apostle. But most of us are not going to meet apostles and pastors mm-hmm. to minister to. See, like I said, it's very easy to, if I were, like, if I were to tell Colin, any sister in the <laughs> church, if I were to send one text to any sister in the church and say, you know what, I'm hungry, uh, can you send me something? It will come in one hour. <laughs> You will always give it to your pastor, to an apostle, to a prophet, evangelist. That is not the point. It's not the point. The point is, Jesus said, will you do it to the least of these, my brethren? Of this. The least of this. Okay. In the apostolic church, when it began, it's happening to the least. The least. And in Acts chapter 6, the issue is over widows. A widow today is not like a widow 2,000 years ago. She has nowhere to go. Who is taking care of her? There's no government support. What if she doesn't have family or children? Where is she going? Who's going to take care of her? We are so used to a system of government taking care of. But governments did not take care of these things. Those days, they care to hoots. And that about Jewish widows in a Roman age, who cares about them? Hmm. And the church took care of them. Okay, and that's what God is talking about. That's where we are bodies which are very busy with the affairs of God and the affairs of men. That's why in John chapter 15, actually there's only one commandment in the new commandment of God. A new commandment I gave you, John chapter 15. John chapter 15. 12 and 13. And 40. This is my commandment. <laughs> Lawyer came and asked, no, so I said two commandments. He said, now I am giving you my commandment. Okay, this is only to the disciples. To the scribes and this thing all. No, to eat that. That's a different thing. We don't go there. We, I mean, honestly, you want to understand what Jesus is talking about. Read from John chapter 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. That is the core essence of our life. What Jesus is talking about. After Judas has left. Only the eleven who followed him to the end. He's talking to them. So first you have to say, Lord, I want to be one who has not left him. After everybody left because of this thing and that thing and didn't like that doctrine and this doctrine, I am to be one of those. <laughs> because people left because of doctrine. Disciples yeah, left because yes. of doctrine. Yeah. Okay, I want to be one of those who have forsaken everything and everybody for your sake and I am with you till the end. Then you read, you will understand what Jesus is talking. And he's saying, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love 
has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. This is one of the fundamental things which I have understood when I read the Bible is this. God doesn't want anything from me. My thanks to you and praise is my adoration. Thank you, Lord, for what? For saving me and for it. But he does, he, he lives outside of all of us. Mm. He doesn't need anything from us. So when he says, you love me, basically he says, love my other children. Mm. And that's what the Bible, John will talk about in John's epistle by saying, if you cannot love whom you can see, how can you say you love? How mm. love? And Thessalonian church was a church like that. That's why Paul will say, you whom you love, even though you do not see. The simple question is, how do you know they love him? Because that the church was born in affliction and persecution and it was a vibrant community where the believers stuck together and took care of each other. And that's what the Bible is talking about. That's mm. where we practice. You know, like last Sunday, last Saturday, we had a question about, you know, about reading. You know, if you send your children to Caesar, they come as Romans. Romans. So, pastor, as a ex-English teacher, what would you like me? And one of the people, one of the per- things which you need to read is, like I said, recommended was Dickens. And if you read Dickens and one of his powerful novels, which has been placed and all we yeah, all know is, uh, it is called the Christmas Carol. Oh, okay. Okay, there is an old man called Scrooge. Yes, Scrooge yes. It's a very hard miser he is, and then he's got a nephew who is a happy fellow who works for this uncle. You have to read the abridged version. You read in his house there is a boy called Tiny Tim. If I'm right, already donkey's years back, and he has got polio, so he this thing. But you have see the family, simple family, very poor. So much love in that family and how everybody turns around to take care of this little one. Take care of. That is what we need to understand. That is, this is from where. See, you have anti-abortion movements and anti, but we are not anti anything. We are life. We are pro-life. But it has to be sure because the most vulnerable from the womb to the old people, old people, okay, oldest in the people. The world doesn't like them. They look, see them as uh, aberrations and a burden. But the church, are not activists, the reason we fight for them is because we love them, because God cares for them. Who will protect them? Hmm. Who will protect them? So whatever you see in the world today was actually started by the church. Orphanages were started by the church. Old age homes were started by the church because they took care of their, them as their own. So we need to realize we are bodies who are very busy. Mm. But the whole issue is this. It should permeate into the entire body of Christ. I should never forget I'm somebody who received mercy. And therefore I should be always merciful. I was an orphan. Not that I did not have a father and mother, spiritual orphan. God became my father. I had nothing destined for this thing. God gave his son. That's what he's saying. Greater love has no one other than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. And Jesus said, that's what I'm going to do. 
that's what I'm going to do. And this has to be get into our heads. We cannot live isolated. I'm always telling you, because my life now has changed, but I'm telling you. I'm honestly telling our own church people, the men in the church, go out and walk on the roads at least once a week. Look around. I'm telling you, when I lived in Mahadipatna, from my house till secretariat, I knew every beggar. Everyone I knew. You need to walk. Then you will see another flyovers and other these people in the evening time. Daytime you will see evening dust comes. Suddenly the cardboards comes and the people comes and the rags come and they're all sitting over there. You will see people. You will see people. Look into their faces. Don't sit isolated in your homes. Then you will actually appreciate and thank God for the little you have. What he has given. Then you will also realize, because one thing, I have no issues, North India, the whole Eastern Belt, because I can speak the language. <laughs> I can, but here I always struggle because I wish Lord, I cannot speak to them. Because when I go try speaking to them, they speak Telugu and I cannot speak Telugu. That's why I love Pastor Ramesh's ministry. Because that's what he does. No? So you realize that should be our heart. Now you look around and you will see. That's why when Jesus looked around, he saw there was so much compassion. These are poor people, lost people, don't know where they are going. And you know what? You Otherwise we'll sit, sit there in our castles with our right doctrines and a heart that is so hard. And we have no compassion, no empathy, no sympathy for anything. But if you look around, there are people everywhere. Everywhere. Even when I go to Thimpu, when I'm going to Bhutan over there, you will see the streets are sparkling, everything is nice, peace, nobody breaks laws, police is over there. But I know that's not the actual story. Because when everything is over, walk in the evening, when the night falls, between the buildings into every lane I have walked. And there you will see the young men sniffing and smoking, and the drug addicts, and the girls, and the boys, you will see them all. Your heart will break. You will see them, they are there. Every gully in the dark, they are there. Okay, so you you can't be isolated. You cannot be isolated. And Jesus was a man who walked the streets of Galilee and Jerusalem. And when the Spirit of God moved him, he could walk all the way through the sun for a Samaritan woman who's married five times and is living with the sixth one. So be doctrinally correct, but be broken. Otherwise, God cannot really use you. Mm. And in these last days, the world is going to be full of broken people. That's what sin does. What does sin does? It breaks you. Lost people. Lost people. Broken people. Abandoned people. Because we are going to have leaders governing nations who care for nobody. They talk, but they really don't care for anybody. And that's what you're talking about. So be very careful that your life. Pastor, I think there should there is a follow up question on this on the same spirit. This is question number six, talking about loving God and loving people. Uh, question number six. Uh, it says in Ephesians chapter four verses one to six. Explain this to me. From this I gather there is indeed a suffering involved in standing our ground in love. There are truths which cannot be compromised on. And how yeah, Ephesians 4, 1 to 6. Can you just put it up, please? 
Therefore, the prisoner of the Lord beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were I therefore the prisoner called with all lowliness and gentleness with long suffering bearing with one another in love endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace there is one body one spirit just as you were called in one hope of your calling one lord one faith one baptism one God, one Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Okay. See, the same, it's like in yeah, the same. Exactly. So. See, as long as you don't see the church the way you see your own home, thing is going to change. What you won't do in your home, don't do in the church. <laughs> Hallelujah. What do you would want to do in your home? Do, the church. do it in the church. Because both are homes. Yes. Both are homes. Both are families. Mm. Both are families. Of course, it's difficult to talk to people who come from horrible backgrounds, abused homes, and dysfunctional homes. So to them, the church becomes the home. If you come from a very dysfunctional, abusive background, where your father abused you, your mother, whatever happened in your home, then the church is a place of refuge. So to so refuge. That's why God had so much. He waited until ten times they rebelled against him. Mm-hmm. In the wilderness. And that too when they wanted to reject Moses, elect a new leader and go back to Egypt, that's when he stopped them. But he didn't destroy them. He took care of them for the next 30 years. Why did he have so much compassion on them? Because you knew they came from absolutely dysfunctional backgrounds. They were slaves. They were slaves. And that's how God looks at us. Who were we? All slaves of sin. So he looks at us and has compassion. So he doesn't let us go back to Egypt. He says, I will take care of you. Just wander. I have great plans and purposes for you. But if you don't cooperate with me, you cannot get it. But if you don't cooperate with me, I'm not going to throw you back into the Satan's lion's mouth. No, I want to protect you. I'll take care of you. I'll take you home. Okay, what is it? Because we are saved because of mercy. <laughs> we need to understand, we were saved because of mercy. Not one good did we do to deserve that mercy. Mm. We were saved. And it continues all. That's why the Bible says His mercies are new every morning. So there is a, that one word, there's a Lord in love, in lowliness, gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love. So the, the only issue I should say in a church should be doctrine mm. that is vital. Not all doctrine. There are a lot of doctrines which you can ignore. It doesn't sort of life changing doctrine. We should be singing hymns or choruses. We should be have drums or the, these are all irrelevant things. Don't worry. How long should the woman sleep? Hey, hang on, leave it alone. When the Spirit of God comes in and she gets her teaching, her sleeves will change on its own. Mm. You leave it alone. Don't start judging people on all. Yes, should we? Should you be modest? Yes. yes, all that. But that is not enforced from outside. That has to be enforced from inside. The children of Israel walked in the desert for all this year with the longest sleeves, but that manna never touched their soul. The soul wasted away. So that is not how you how you judge. That's not how you judge. Okay, but there are vital doctrines. Those doctrines are very, very important, and you cannot compromise. And the first and the foremost doctrine is 
the doctrine of salvation. We are saved by grace and grace alone. Nothing else. Of course, it precedes or what precedes it or comes together with it is repentance. You have to turn. Otherwise, you are not receiving anything. Why, do, why should I receive mercy? Why should I need a savior if I don't believe I am a sinner? Only sinners need saviors, right? Okay, so first thing I accept is that I'm a sinner. Second thing is that I want to turn from my sin. Yeah. I don't have the ability to turn from my sin, but I want to turn from my sin. Okay, and then I look to a savior. Okay, but turning from my sin is not what's saving me. My desire to turn away from my sin, that is repentance, because sometimes you will realize, you know, turning is a long process. A long process. Okay. So we have to be very, very careful, even when we look at all this, how we judge people, okay? All sin is not sin of the same kind. All sin is not the sin of the same kind. Because at its core meaning, repentance means you are turning. You're changing the way you think and therefore the way you behave. Okay? There is a repentance that is connected with sin. And we know what sin is. The Ten Commandments gives you more, better explanation of what sin is. That is sin. Then there is a sin which is changing the way you think. Which has not got to do with actual sin. Mm. Actual sin. That's what the Bible is. I mean, who is not a sinner in the church? Every believer in this world living is a sinner. If you go by Romans 14, 23, whatever is not of faith is sin. Can you live 24-7 by faith in one single day? No. Mm-hmm. So you are a sinner. But those sins are not like that categorized yeah. as those sins. Exactly. So you need to realize that when we are talking about sin, we have to be very careful about what we are talking about sin. Because when we are preaching to the mm-hmm. church, first thing you need to be understand when I am preaching to the church I am not speaking to sinners I am speaking to righteous people mm-hmm. unless the only sinner there is are those who are not saved Save. there are no sinners in the church they are all righteous people they are all righteous people there are no sinners there sinners are in the world the people in the church are righteous but I am telling them the consequences of sin and the glory of walking by faith <clears throat> the glory okay so we have to be very, very careful. We are not old covenant people. We are new covenant people. The entire epistles is being written to saints. Every epistle begins practically written to saints about how saints should live. Mm. So we are not old covenant people sitting there and saying, he's hammering me. No, 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 no. You're getting it wrong. I don't hammer people. No, I tell people very, very clearly, this is what is happening. Mm. You are a saint in the eyes of God. Who made you a saint? God made you a saint. How did you become a saint? Because the Spirit of God came into you. In Apostle Paul's heart and my heart and your heart, the same Spirit is there. The same faith is there. Same baptism, everything. Okay, he has become more saintly. We are less saintly, but we are all saints. He has become more saintly because he understood and practiced it better than God says beyond that route. On the other hand, if you don't believe and practice, you are still a saint. But you will be a child. Hmm. But there are certain say there are certain sins which can be very like we, we looked at uh, Timothy, right? Yeah. There, go to that. Second Timothy uh, chapter one. First, uh, second Timothy chapter five. five. 
Five. First okay. Timothy chapter five. Yeah, first Timothy chapter five. Verse okay. Uh, 12, 13 and there. Okay. But refuse the younger widows for when they have begun to grow wanton against Christ, they decide to marry, having condemnation because they have cast off their first faith because they decided I'm not going to get married. I'm going to serve God any now all my life. Thank you, Lord. And then they want to get married. There was no need to make that dedication. But they made a dedication and besides they learned to be idle, wandering about from house <coughs> to house. Not only idle, but also gossip, busybody, saying things which they ought not to. And the next verse. Therefore I decide that younger women marry, bear children, manage the house, giving no opportunity to the adversary to speak reproachfully. And next 15. Some have already turned aside after. That means they are that, not that they are lost. It means they have been pulled by the devil. To cause damage to the church. By the time one day they realize, so oh, I made a mistake and all. You know, this is one thing. Now, I always tell my my wife. Even this morning, I told her. I said, you know what? You no, know, because we discuss. I tell them, this is how we take decisions. You know, I tell. Her. I tell First John one nine two nineteen. One John two nineteen. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest, and none of them were of us. It's one fundamental principle I always tell to leaders. The world cannot ever harm the church. The world does not have the power to harm the church. Satan cannot harm the church. All of demonic entities cannot have the, the power to the gates of hell. The only ones who have the power to harm the church are those who leave. Those who left. Please remember, it is Judas who betrayed Jesus and sold him. The one who left. Every church conflict, what happens is, you have the right to live. God has never taken the free will. But one thing you decide is that, one thing I always decide, when I leave a church, I'm not going to harm the church. I'm not going to harm the church. I'm going to harm the church. But people who live, leave a church and then will continuously, constantly harming the church, they don't know what they are doing. They don't know what they are doing. The world has no power to harm the church. See, persecution should be glory. So they are not harming you. If you see it spiritually, it's actually strengthening your faith, bringing the love and everything. Okay, and rejoice and be great here. Strong, yeah. Okay, make strong and all that. That's what is happening. What can Satan do? God has given us victory over the powers of darkness. Who can harm him? Can harm let us let us let Pastor Vijay sitting here. Pastor Vijay has a family. Pastor Vijay, Justin, Abigail, Emmy, Sophie. Five people are there in the family. They are, let us say, extremely cohesive unit in love, in kindness, walking in mercy and everything. Their neighbors can't do anything to them. Double can't do anything to them. But one person in that family can harm that family. It's true. Okay, it can harm that family. And break the heart of the Break oh. and mess up everything. And it can be... Can be very simple. Okay, like let us say uh, Abigail is not studying in GTLC. Let us say she's studying in Loyola Academy, and the principal calls and says, "We want to see you." What happened? Your daughter was caught copying. She harmed the family. 
for the college she's just a number but she's hurt her home hmm. she's hurt her home okay so we need to realize this is what god is talking about that is why i have issues with church conflicts and when people have conflicts and when they come to me and people are shocked when i'm so tough with them i said you know what the way you leave a church is very very important first who are you in that church second how did you leave in the church okay leave in the church and when you leave the church <coughs> shut your mouth and leave okay i couldn't agree with that church fine don't cause damage that's the first question jesus asked paul 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 why are you persecuting why are you persecuting me mm. why are you persecuting me okay so we need to understand these are things which we need to and if people only understood these things you know in the same way a home a church okay be very very careful you can't do that and and not have the spiritual repercussions that happen to you in a home no be very very careful husband and wife parents children children parents you need to realize you have to be very very careful the repercussions will come back to you okay will come back to you okay i mean you cannot like we say in english you cannot stop a bird from flying over your head mm. but if they build a nest in your head your then problem. your problem your problem. okay mm-hmm. you cannot stop people from doing things to you but how you react mm-hmm. is important and then space in your head and so on very careful mm. okay don't let okay now i'm not condemning anybody but i'm telling you an actual spiritual medical fact if you have stomach trouble <laughs> problem in your stomach sickness serious sickness in your stomach don't go to the doctor first go to god first <laughs> because it is out of the belly life was supposed to flow a lot of people who have very serious trouble in their stomach are very bitter people bitter people not all now don't get me wrong some virus must have got in and something must but i'm not talking about that i'm general principle i'm talking about if you look at it okay now don't diagnose everybody <laughs> the people if you have got a stomach ache will not call for prayer or anything pastor will condemn you no know, i'm not condemning anybody but i'm telling you you have to deal with this okay? see the old ancient people before they knew radiology understood that they call it the gall of bitterness yes it was in the gut okay <laughs> how did they know about this gall bladder and all how did they know <laughs> see today gall bladder is removed <laughs> but the bitterness is in your soul <laughs> okay you can remove your gall bladder that doesn't mean the bitterness has gone mm. okay you have to be very careful about these things okay and lot of things happen in life walk in mercy <laughs> every day receive and give receive and give go before god walk with a clean slate and you will read well, i went to a hospital this for a fond eat healthy for a healthy gut so <laughs> receive <laughs> only good things for a healthy gut. Yeah. otherwise you'll become no bad. you will always hear bad things you cannot escape course, hearing course, bad things have. but doesn't i mean if you have a merciful heart it does not matter, matter what, what you hear yeah it does okay. not jesus was always hearing all these things you yeah. need jesus did not know if he knew that's a man without with that's a man in whom there is no guile wow. so he knew everybody's heart it didn't it didn't bother him right? 
it didn't bother him at all. You need to realize, okay, you cannot escape knowing because God will give you discernment. Mm. He, the Bible says he knew all men and he would not commit himself into yeah. any man. What does it because mean? He knew all men. What does it mean? He knew everybody's heart. But he still died for them. And he showed so much compassion, healed them, delivered them, fed them, died for them. So you will know all these things. It does not matter what you hear. The question is, what is the state of your heart? That's what the Bible is talking about. Ephesians 4 is talking about the gentleness, loneliness, long-suffering. Bear with them. Bear with them. Hmm. And then it is all these warnings are given to people who cause harm to others because they become cancerous. Hmm. Cancerous. Sometimes people say, I left the church. God says, no, when you read eternity, I will. you will see that you didn't leave the church. I took you out. They took you out because you are becoming cancerous. They took you out before you de- destroy the whole body. Oh, oh boy. No? So we need to look at it because if you don't grow in these things, but only thing you don't compromise are doctrines. There are fundamental doctrines of life. There is a good book over there. It's a very beautiful book called Shared Beliefs. Okay, it's a very beautiful book over there. I mean, I mean, I read it long ago, but it talks about our, there are common doctrines which we cannot, which we cannot compromise on. Compromise on, but certain things we don't have to fight about. It. Like you don't have to fight about rapture, yeah. pre-tribulation, mid-tribulation, post-tribulation. Simple. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. The best way to prepare for tribulation. Is to prepare for rapture because mm. the standard for rapture is more than the standard for revelation. <laughs> <laughs> right? okay. Exactly. <laughs> if you prepare, let me. Uh, Indians will understand that. If you prepare for IIT, you can clear MSET. <laughs> right? Easily. With left hand. Right? You clear. So it's as simple as that. Okay. Okay. So you're worried about tribulation? Prepare for rapture. Because if you look at the standards for rapture, tribulation is a joke. Okay. So we don't have to fight over that. Okay. Fight over. But there are certain things which are very, very like, there are certain doctrines which are fundamental to salvation. Hmm. You cannot compromise on that. Repentance from dead works, faith in Christ. You cannot compromise on this thing. There is a turning away. There is a turning towards. Oh God, thank you. That is God. And putting your faith in nobody and anything other than Christ and his work. Hmm. Once you started that, there is a constant turning. But some people turn fast, like Paul. Mm. Some people turn slow, but there is a turning. Mm. Some people stay f- with after turning, they stop and they restart. And because all these things are there. But what is has to be confirmed is that your slow. first turn was right. Absolutely. Like it's like labor pains. Some people go to the hospital fifteen minutes. The fifteen minutes later, the baby is born. Some people go for forty-eight hours of labor, mm. but at the end of the day, there is still a baby. Yes, amen. So every labor, no, she gave birth in fifteen minutes. This is the rule in the hospital: <laughs> only fifteen minutes. You can't say like that. Born again is a born again That's experience. Everybody's experience is not the same. Some people can tell the exact day and the hour and the minute. Some people are not sure mm. because for them it was a process. Yes. And then they were born again. Okay, so we don't make these judgments, but the way is the same. You heard, 
was a conviction that took place. You turned, Jesus came into your life, and you started turning. But that has to be there. Okay, and that is the church. So those convictions, those doctrines, you cannot change. Hmm. Yes. Wow, Pastor, this uh, thing of, uh, because you said about fundamental absolute values, right? We should look at question number five because this is talking about fundamental absolute values. Beauty, goodness, and truth, wherever they occur, are certain, certainly clues, but they seem to be like cameras focused to infinity. We cannot tell how far and how great is the reality to which they are pointing. Although everyone knows what is beauty, goodness, and truth, it is impossible to visualize them as absolute values. Our Lord is the way, the truth, and the life. How do we help people understand our God being the truth? truth. Okay. Go to the beginning of that. See, beauty, goodness, and truth. No, it should be truth. It should be truth. Okay? Beauty is in the eye of... Before you start, there's another question which is also almost on the similar lines. This is question number eight. Maybe you can handle both of them together. If you do not believe in the unique deity of the Lord Jesus Christ, you are not a Christian. Whatever else you may be, would you help me with this? I think both of them have the same... uh, Now, when when we are talking about the truth... And when we, the world also talks about the truth. Okay. And the truth for the world is very relative, very subjective. Now that is not what truth is. When God is talking about truth, the truth is absolute. That is why God is truth. Hmm. Jesus is truth. Jesus says, I am the truth. The Holy Spirit is called the spirit of, of truth. truth. Okay. And the church is called to be the pillar of truth. Okay, and worshippers. God is trying to raise up a set of people who will worship in spirit and truth. We will never know absolute truth about anything. Simply because our minds now, in this realm, does not have the capacity to know. Because if God is truth, then I don't have the capacity to know it. Even if any matter any doctrine, any matter, we say, I think I know the truth. The fact is that I don't know the whole truth. Because mm. I don't have the capacity to know it. We don't have, a human mind does not have the capacity to know it. So that's the first thing which we need to understand. We will never know the whole truth about anything, not even about ourselves. We will not know. So only God knows the absolute truth about everybody and everything. Mm. So that's where the word of God comes. <laughs> That's why Hebrews 11.3 says, by faith we We understand. We understand. That does not mean we understand. It means we accept God's ruling on it. That's by faith we understand. The words were framed by the word of God. The question is, do we understand? How it happened? No. We just accepted the fact. God spoke and God, Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit brought everything into being. We accept it. That's what it means by faith. It does not mean we know how they did it. Mm. We don't understand how exactly. they did it. You mm. can never figure it out. Okay? So basically by faith, when we go through the word of God, by faith, we accept what God speaks. So by faith, God says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We are not saying Moses wrote it. We are saying God said it. Mm. God said it. So wherever in this, through the scripture, there are of course opinions of men and all that. We are not taking it. And we see that's man speaking, history is there, all kinds of things are there. And then we know there, sometimes even through a Gentile, God is speaking. And we know that's God speaking through that Gentile. We know that is the truth. Yeah. That is the truth. 
Okay, so we that is what is true. What is true? So if you don't have that absolute that what God says is true, and only based on that we can judge. Like we thought about talked about beauty. Now John Keats said, "Beauty lies in the eyes of the uh, thing of beauty is joy forever." Mm, But we don't even understand what beauty is. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. But we don't even cannot really understand what holiness is when until we reach there. Mm. Our concept about holiness, how much we can understand about holiness, even the most holy man who lived on earth, other than Jesus Christ, could never purely understand holiness because we are constrained by this realm. Sight is an issue. Because the holiness has to be spiritually understood. But as long as we are in this body, even the spirit is contained. Yes. So we will never understand the beauty of holiness. Because when we talk about beauty, it's a, it's a, it's, it is more of a worldly term. Okay. One, like, let us say we are all men sitting over here. One man may look at and says, that woman is beautiful. Because that is the background he has come from, the culture he has come from. So he is able to see that woman from that cultural point of view has beautiful. Another person comes from completely different culture and looks at the woman and his, his uh, database is completely different. And he looks at the, the woman doesn't look beautiful at all. See, that is why the media is now controlling no, and framing in things into a mind because they are trying to conform into their pattern. Mm. That's what the Bible says. Do not conform to the pattern of the world, but the renewing of your mind. So, the Bible talks about a different beauty altogether and yes. says this is, this beauty, first Peter chapter three, right? Four or five. Peter chapter three, three yeah. Four, four or five, it says, no? The hidden. hidden beauty. So there is a beauty that is hidden, mm. which is actually spiritual, which is real. Let, yeah, this one. Let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and a quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. Now ask yourself this question. This is the truth about beauty. But this is not going to be true for you unless first you ascribe to truth. Yes. Hmm. Because most men today, let us be very realistic, you know, like pretty, compared to you, I'm pretty old. Watched men, leave women aside, I've watched men around. And I've noticed, even Christian men have a picture of the beauty of the world. They want their women to like the women of the world. If the women are dressed immodestly in the public, their own wives, they have no issues. They have no issues. You know why? Because their idea is that I don't mind men looking at my wife and thinking she's beautiful because I get some glory out of it. They're not ashamed of it. They're not ashamed of it. Because they don't understand what is God's real idea of beauty. Hmm. So he has to subscribe to it, but he can't force it on her. She has to receive it, both of them. We are talking about outward beauty over here. Okay. But what is beautiful? What is beautiful? This is, this is what is beautiful. Okay. Think about it. If this is what the kind of bride Christ wants to make the church into, then that is the kind of people we have to be. Man and woman. Okay. So, you may have a wife who is not outwardly beautiful, may not have many skills or gifts, but is actually a very meek and a quiet and a gentle 
person. Person. And the question is, do you really appreciate her? (laughs) Do you really look at her and thank God, you know what, Lord, you've given me the most beautiful woman in the world. So our concept about truth will always affect how we see what is goodness, what is beauty, what we see, everything. Because truth Truth. is what is going to define. But people do not want the truth of the Bible to define their lives. Mm -hmm. Because there is another truth that is being sold in the world. Mm -hmm. And the Bible says, first you have to make this decision in your heart that I will not be confirmed by the values of this world. Mm -hmm. I've always, I wrote my priest this earlier in the church. I've said that. There are so many beautiful women, according to First Peter chapter 3, verse 4, in the church who have remained unmarried because men did not find them beautiful. And then they went and married these fashionable, beautiful girls and they had misery all their life because they did not allow the Spirit of God to speak to them and open their eyes. And the same thing for women too. What kind of a man do you want? Tall, handsome dude who is harsh and doesn't care? Or do you, this man who doesn't look that great, doesn't hold that great, but is a very gentle and a loving and a person who cares. But what is going to frame your mind? What is your truth? What is the truth through which you will see? That's the whole thing. Because, see, into a, it's like a pomegranate. You take any subject in life, it's like a pomegranate. And you have to bring truth into it. And truth, see, in the pomegranate, there are so many seeds. All the seeds together make the pomegranate. You can't take one seed out and say, I found truth. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, let us use the word trust. It's a big word. Because faith means believe, faith means trust. I believe in God. And the question is, what all do you believe about God? What all do you believe in God? Believe in God. Or when people come to me for counseling, I'll say, counseling or any place I go, this thing. So, trust is a big thing in a marriage. The problem is, do you trust your wife? Do you trust your husband? They actually only mean, my husband is faithful to me. Is that all trust is? Can you trust your husband to come home by 7 o'clock? Then you can trust your husband to bring the provisions when he comes. Can you trust your husband to take care of the children if you have to go away for two days? Can you trust your husband to do the laundry? Can you trust your husband to hang out the laundry? Can you trust your husband to take care of your ill for seven days and take care of the children too? So what does the word trust mean? Oh, my husband will never cheat on me. Big deal. There are many husbands in the world who will not do it. Can you trust your husband? Mm. So when you say, I trust God, the simple question is, what do you mean? What do you mean? Well, Have you brought truth into the picture? Oh, I believe in God. For what? What do you believe in God for? So you have to bring truth into everything, into your whole life. It's like a pomegranate. You can't take one seed out and say, I found the pomegranate. No, that's just one seed. And we are all learning and changing and changing. We have to keep changing. Because you know what? What changes you is truth. Jesus said, you shall know the truth. And when you believe it and obey it and you keep it, the truth shall set you free. Mm. And he talks about whom the Son sets free. And then he uses in that sense all there in John chapter 8, 32 and all. You will see that all the Son abides. Okay? 
So don't get carried away by the slogans of the world and the patterns of the world. You have to become a person whom God can trust in any situation. Then God can say, I trust that man. Not in just one area. Can you be trusted in any area? That is why God is putting our faith under us, trials and testing. This test came in your family. This came, trust came in your faith, in your, with your children. This came with finances. This came through division. This came through lack. And at every point you learn to be trustworthy. God says, that man, that woman can be trusted. That is trust. Just because you proved your trust in one area, that doesn't mean the truth has come into your life. Can be life. Okay? So you cannot trust goodness too. Because goodness has to be pervasive. Goodness is not that you are good to only certain people and the people you like and the people you love. Jesus was good to everybody. It was irrelevant. He was good to everybody. Only when you are able to be good to everybody under every circumstances, you have received the truth about goodness and it has become part of your life. We are, we are on that journey, but be very sure you are on your journey. So when you are talking about truth, like, you know, that second question about the deity of Jesus Christ. Yes, eighth, eighth question, please. Okay. If you do not believe in the unique deity of the Lord Jesus, you are not a Christian. Okay. Mm. But again, you need to understand Understanding the unique deity of Jesus Christ itself is a doctrine. Okay. Everybody doesn't get saved with perfect doctrine. Everybody, as soon as you're saved, you don't have perfect doctrine. But you need one fundamental doctrine. That is this. I'm a sinner. Wages of sin is death. God sent his son. (laughs) Born of a virgin. Lived a perfect life. Became sin for me on the cross. Became curse for me on the cross. He died for me on my sins. He was buried. He was raised up from the dead on the third day. Lord, I put my trust in him alone. I turned from my sinful life. And I put my trust in you alone to save me. That is the unique deity of Jesus Christ. The Father didn't do that. The Holy Spirit didn't do that. That is unique to the Son. That is why Acts 25, 21, 25, 25, 21 says, repentance towards 21, 25. Yeah, 2021. Repentance towards God. And faith in. Faith in towards our. That is the uniqueness of Jesus Christ. Then as we go further, we will learn the uniqueness of it. You don't believe Jesus is the Son of God. Whatever else you believe about him, that he came to die, his primary purpose was to die for my sins. Nothing matters. You can believe he's a good teacher. You can teach his teachings. But if you don't believe in his unique work and receive it, like I said, salvation is the receiving of a person. Of a person. James, John 12 is very clear. One twelve is very clear. As many as who received, received him. him. John one twelve. John, one John. Not one John. John, John, Gospel, yes, John yes. As many as received him, to them, he gave the right to become the children of God to those who believe in his name, Yeshua, the Savior. He gave them the right. You have the authority, the right to become the children. And now these children are growing. What makes you grow? It is truth. Okay. What is the truth? 
truth about who God is. How do I understand God? When I look at Jesus. But looking at Jesus, I will never understand God. Will never understand God. Okay, understand God. So whenever we are talking about truth, any other aspect, beauty, goodness, love, no? When you talk about love, you have to bring truth into it. What is love? What is love? You have to bring truth into it. And when you read through the Bible, you will see there is so much teaching about love. And you look at it and realize, you look through it and you realize, you know what? I'm not a loving person. What convicted you? Before that, you thought I was very loving because everybody told you you were very loving. But when the truth of God's word hit you, you realize, you know what? I'm not really a loving person. Living person. So everything has to be judged by truth and by the spirit. Okay, the two things. The word of God is the truth. But even the word of God cannot work as truth for me unless the spirit of God comes. Otherwise, what will happen? This is the text. I am the evaluator. And I can be absolutely right or absolutely wrong. There's no guarantee. But this is the text. And if the Spirit of God is the evaluator, he never goes wrong. That is what Jesus is telling the woman at the well. A time is coming. God is seeking for these kind of worshippers who they will worship in spirit Spirit and and in truth. The Spirit comes over there. When the spirit doesn't come, we cannot understand the truth. But the arbiter, that's why he said, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will lead, okay, you. He will lead you into all, all truth. 16.13, if I'm right, John 16.13. He will lead you to all truth. Right? However, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. What does it mean? Does it mean he will show me all truth? No. Yeah. It is impossible for a man to know all truth. He will guide you into all the truth I need to know about myself. Mm. Honestly, that is all the truth I need to know. The truth I need to live to be an overcome. He will lead you that truth. Okay? He will. That is the truth I need to know. Because if I don't know the truth, then I am in either I am living under condemnation or I am living under false security. Okay, like two weeks back, SB, the Silicon Valley Bank crashed, right? But before it crashed, a lot of people had millions in it. And they were all feeling very secure. And then one day, suddenly they wake up in the morning and the truth hits them. (laughs) Truth hits them. Okay? Okay. So you don't take the truth about anybody. The only one you can believe is absolutely true is God. Otherwise, those people have to be tested. Okay, tested. People who are, like, let us say about the most famous TV personality in US, high, most highly rated personality is who? Tucker Carlson, right? And you will say, wow, what a TV, what happened? This man actually is bringing all the facts out. Let me ask you this question. What happened to January 6th tapes? What happened to Tucker Carlson? Two episodes. And he's got 40,000 hours of tapes with him. Only two episodes? And suddenly it dried up? What happened to the truth? 
who silenced him who bought him this is the biggest voice in america speaking truth 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 what happened to you this was the most important thing that has been given to you in your career what shut you down so you need to realize no man has been really really tested paul was tested and he was proven he is true nothing you can that is his giving his entire repertoire of experiences and he never compromised in his love for god his love for truth his love for man never changed but he was following his master okay that's what god is talking about don't make judgments before time one your judgments could be completely wrong or could be completely right at that point of time you judge the person and you are absolutely right he is a third rate criminal sentence him to death in my life i don't want to see him again Three years later, you realize he is the most kind, generous, loving person. What happened? God changed him radically. So your judgment was right. It was not wrong. You judged him before time. Okay. Mm. That is why there is a, a day kept for judgment. Kept for judgment. But that day is also not a final judgment. Mm. You need to understand that is a judgment of everybody of their entire life on earth. if it means that is a final judgment that means in eternity they are not going to change of course in eternity everybody is going to keep on changing and becoming more and more and more like god but this is a judgment of their life on earth okay we call it the final exam you got your marks this is your final marks okay does that mean after that the kid after class 10 board exams he didn't study but this is a record of his 10 years of academic career in school this is final but after that he kept on changing so there is a judgment for rewards everybody's life or not the words their works their deeds everything is going to be judged and they are all going to be rewarded and after that they are going to keep on studying keep on changing keep on growing in love and kindness and mercy and goodness in the image otherwise it doesn't make sense nobody is going to change in heaven no way you're all going to change in heaven and keep on changing for the better and better and better and better and better there will be no worse there okay but this is talking about judgment that ju- judgment is eternal you cannot change that this is connected with your life on earth this is not connected with your life in heaven we all will be changing in heaven so we need to realize none of us know the truth about anything only god does about anything or anybody but god says be careful even when you judge yourself don't even count yourself out because you don't know what the spirit of god can do to you to you and through you if you were to surrender No? so people sometimes rule themselves out okay don't rule yourself out because have you really surrendered because when you are judging and ruling yourself out what you have judged is you have first judged yourself you may be correct but you judge god wrong by judging yourself you also judge the power of god god can change anybody but god cannot change me so you limited the hand of god in your life you judged god wrong that's why jesus is saying this powerful say if you can only believe all things are possible all things are possible 
to the one who believes. So you need to believe. You look at yourself and says, you know what? I'm a scumbag. <laughs> I've failed 999 times. But, okay, that is that this thing about David. No, if you look, that's why this wonderful person called David in the Bible. In the world, without God, David would be a mess of failures. Okay. But he never ruled out God's intervention in his life. Never ruled out God. David's judgments about God was always right. He all, if you look at his psalms and his words and his episodes and everything in his life, he's always saying that, you know what? I believe that nothing is impossible with you. Yes. That you can still redeem me and enable me to finish my course. Okay. And you see, he understood something that was true about God. So, so we have this thing about not beauty, goodness and truth. Truth comes first. Because we were saved by truth. When we heard the gospel, we heard true truths about me. I'm a sinner. Not worse sinner, better sinner. Don't even look to the left and right. I'm a sinner, period. Two, Christ came for sinners like me. And I'll see myself in the light of God's truth. See Christ in the light of God's truth. And I receive both. And James 1.18 says, James 1.18 very clearly says, Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we might be the kind of first fruits of his scripture. Okay. So truth is by which, by which we live. By love, no? That's why God talks about long suffering. The reason we need long suffering is simply because we don't know the truth. We don't know the whole truth about anything or about how somebody may turn out to be. We don't know. So he says suffer long. Suffer long. You know? Be long suffering. That's a facet of true love. Love is kind. And suffers long because you, you, you may, let me ask you this question as we close, right? As yes, we close. Yes, yes. Actually, the, yeah, please, please go ahead. Yeah. Who'd have ever expected? Paul. <laughs> Not Paul. Paul and all are great scholars. Who'd have ever ex- expected the Samaritan woman to be the first evangelist who brought a whole town to Christ? Mm-hmm. Who'd have give her the time of the day? Think about it. Everybody looks at her. Nobody wants to talk to her. Loose woman, loose morals, everything. But what it, what could God do? An encounter with Christ Jesus changes her life so completely, she brings her down to Christ. What did you think about Mary? Right? Bible talks about Mary Magdalene, right? What did you think about Mary? Seven demons. See, the first words Jesus spoke, most important words he spoke, as soon as he is risen from the dead, manifest to her and says, Go tell my brothers, I have risen. The whole world is in darkness. All his disciples are in depression. Because as far as they are concerned, their Lord is dead. And here is the message. What is the message? The Lord is risen. To whom is he giving? Whom is he giving? 
Now think in your right mind, if you are a CEO of a company and you have the most important message for your company, who will you call in your company and give the message? Think about it. The watchman who is standing outside, (laughs) call him here and tell him to go and tell all my employees this is the message from the CEO. Think about it. Who did Jesus give the message? He gave to Mary. But what if you judged her when you saw her with her hair all out, clothes all turned, demon possessed, showing half her nakedness on the streets of Bethany or whichever, whichever street she was walking And What if you judged her? Hopeless case. But she's a woman one day to whom the message of resurrection is entrusted. Do we know the truth about oh anybody? God, oh God, oh God. We don't know the truth about anybody. You know? That is why the Bible says in Ephesians 4, Speaking 12? Truth, truth in love, yeah. Yeah. Yes, 4, 12. Yeah. Uh, 4, 12. No, 12. Yeah. Ephesians 4. 13, 14, something. Fifteen. For fifteen. But speaking the truth in love. Okay, he says you always should speak. Should truth should be wrapped up in love. Love is not just feelings, though feelings is a part of love. Okay, feelings is a part of love. Don't take feelings out of love, then that love is dry. Okay, it's like your throat that is dry. Okay, when you take your little baby <laughs> and hold that little angel in your arms, what is swelling in your heart and this thing is feelings. Okay, you don't know what this dude is going to turn out to be. It is irrelevant. Okay, but you just love that baby. Your heart is full. It's all feelings. Emotions. So don't take feelings and emotions away. It is part of love. Otherwise, Jesus won't be weeping over people. He wept over people. Okay. He groaned over people. So that's all got to do with the manifestation of the feelings. But love, when you look into the Bible, the first thing about Bible is love is kind and suffers long. So let us put that first definition there. Speaking the truth in kindness and willing to suffer long. Mm-mm. Okay. Then, we may be able to grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. So you cannot take truth out of anything. But how you put truth matters. But you can also be very kind and long-suffering and speak a lie. Okay. Like somebody used this crazy example. About that, that pedophile who's waiting outside every day outside the school with candy to lure one of the little babies that come out. He's very suffers long. He's got tons and tons of patience and he's biding his time. Every day he will offer candy and he will wait every day with patience and with perseverance and long suffering and with kindness. But his entire thing is a lie. So we have to be very, very careful about 
You can be patient and long-suffering and all that. There are people like that will come to church. They will be very patient and long-suffering and again, as soon as they get what they want, they will go. They are very clear in their object. They are targeted. Very clear. This is what I have come for. And until I get, I am very clear. Patient, long-suffering, goodness, kindness. And as soon as they get it, they are left. But there was no truth in them. There was no truth in them. Okay. And that was Ahitophel. Do you think Ahitophel was rude to David? Never. Absolutely. Very respectful, very kind, very good. All the counsel he gave was absolutely to the T, perfect. But it was all a lie. Because there was no truth in him. His objective was he was waiting for a day. And if that day hadn't come, he would have still continued like that, lived that lie and died in that lie. That day came. If Absalom had not risen to power, you and I would have never known other than God what was the heart of Ahithophel. He would have died like that, hating David, yet pretending his entire life that he loved David. Okay, so we have to be very careful about all these things because that's what Jesus will say. You will know the truth. And the whole purpose of the Spirit of God is not to condemn us, to convict us. Okay, that's why I keep saying you have to be very sensitive to the Spirit of God because first thing he will tell you is not what is true about others. The first thing he will tell you is what is true. He says, you know what? Everything you said was true, but you were not kind. You are unkind. You are not kind. That's why I said the simple question always to ask is that what would Christ do? How would he do it? What would Christ do? Because by faith you are not living your life. You are allowing him to live his life in you. So the first thing to ask is what would Christ do? How would he do it? Okay. You don't become that in one day, but that should be objective. See, if you don't have an objective, a vision, you will fall away. What is your objective? Your objective should be exactly what is God's objective. What is his objective? Romans 8, 29. 29. Everyone whom he has predestined, he wants to conform to the image of his son. That is his objective. So that should be our objective too. No, Lord. That's what I want to be, Lord. I want to be like your son. I want to. He's the firstborn among many brethren. Mm. Many brethren. Okay. So don't get upset when you hear in school, college, in families, when your father says, or your principal says, or your teacher says, why can't you be like him? That's what God is telling every day to his children. Why can't you be, be like, like Jesus? <laughs> oh, he's always comparing. If you don't have a comparison, how will you change? Exactly. The entire creation, redemption is based on a comparison. He's trying to change his children like his firstborn. Okay. So, what is God like? Jesus says he's like me. What a comparison. If you have seen the, if seen, you have seen me, you have seen, you have the, seen father. the father. And then God says, if you become like my son, you become like me. That is what the whole redemption is all about, to make you all like father, like son. So the question is, which son? My firstborn. That is the whole objective. If you get our objective very clear, we are, you are on the race. We are on the race. This is what I want to be. Lord, tell the Spirit of God, 
when you read the word of god ask the spirit of god and ask for itself lord my prayer is please lord i am not looking for any kind of success in this world unless you give it to me give me the grace to handle it but i am looking for one thing lord i want to be like your son your prayers are right the answers you get will be right amen okay they'll be right and that is the incredible beauty of the word of god and the pictures you are given a young 40 year old man who will take a sword and kill an egyptian will become the meekest man on earth saul of tarsus was going and throwing and killing people and into prison will become the kindest and the gentlest of saints how did these people become because they got it very clear this is what you want to be one prayer will you show me your glory can't see my glory if you see my glory you will die instant i will make my goodness oh so your goodness is your glory mm. i want to be good mm. i am meek i am lowly i am gracious mm. i am merciful that's what moses becomes see he says i want to see your glory god says you can't see my glory that's a different thing live forget that around you can't live if you see that you will die but i can show you another aspect of my glory this is who i am you know like in the old testament moses becomes that that's why god is so upset with the people he says you know what this man old covenant said is reflecting my nature and you're mad at him that's why the spirit of god speaks through moses and says god will give you another prophet like just me. like me just like me how did moses become like that because he understood the objective was this this is what i want to become in life that should be our objective and that should be our daily prayer because if your prayers are not right then how will you get the right answers this is the truth lord i want to be like become like you when you talk about beauty what is beauty what is beauty a meek and a quiet spirit that is of great worth price in god's sight so faith is first towards god love is first towards god everything is first to god with that we'll end pastor vijay yep. yes thank you lord yeah father we just thank you lord we just thank you thank you lord thank you we just thank you we praise you lord thank you father when we look at what eternity is and where we are going oh lord all the trials and the troubles of this world will mean nothing no wonder lord your saints like apostle paul could call it momentary afflictions when we haven't even gone through a fraction an iota of what these great men went through but they were able to look into the light of eternity and they were able to say these are just momentary afflictions lord if you do not look into eternity we don't look into who you are and what you are and where we are going life on earth will make no sense so even today father i pray open our eyes the eyes of understanding our heart that we may see you lord commit all your brethren out there your sons and your daughters hurting ones are there lord hurting brothers hurting wives daughters sisters so many are there I pray you touch them you heal their bodies heal their broken hearts 
You have birthed a living hope in us by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. As long as there is life, there is hope. And I pray, Father, you will touch them at their point of need tonight. Meet them at their point of need. We believe in the resurrection power. The power that raised Jesus from the dead. You said the very spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is who who resides in us. The same person and the same power. The word of God says you will quicken our mortal bodies. The bodies that are dead because of sin will be quickened by that same spirit. And I pray for that quickening even now in everyone who is listening, Lord. Quicken that dead bodies, our bodies, dead because of sin. Let it be a resurrected body by the power of your Holy Spirit to live that life of Christ Jesus, Lord, that you may receive the glory, the praise, and the honor. Speak peace into every heart and every home. And tomorrow, if you tarry, to come and give us another day as we come into your house. Let each one come in joy and with thanksgiving. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we praise you, we worship you, we glorify you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.